Welcome to episode four of the Godfather Podcast. Today we have titled it The Invasion of the Temple. Join us as we discuss Christianity, denominations, and why, through the filter, historical context, and the Bible, we can determine that all denominations are man made constructs and therefore idols that are intended to divide us. The God Filter Podcast is brought to you by the Sanctuary of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You can find us at thegodfilter.com or email us at admin at thegodfilter.com. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash thegodfilter. Welcome to the God Filter Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope uh, the day finds you well. I hope that the light of Christ forever shines upon your face. We come to you today, and we're so grateful that you've uh, tuned tuned in and and listened uh, to the other ones first and foremost, and and we're thankful that you're here today listening to what uh, listen what we want to bring to you. So before I go any farther, I can't I can't if you're a first time listener. I've got to make sure you know that you need to cut this one off and go listen to episode one. If you do not go listen to the first episode, you are going to be lost as to what we are talking about and what we're dealing with. So before I get into um, the introduction of my brothers again and we get into this conversation, cut it off and go listen to episode one. With that said, my brothers, they already know your names. It's Robert and Scott. Brother Robert, how you doing today, sir? Doing great, sir. Good. Good to good to sit down in front of you again. But Scott, how you, bud? Doing great. Good. We had a fantastic church service this morning. I don't even think I could explain the depths of that, so I won't even try. It's just one of the things you had to be there. And so I pray that that same spirit of knowledge and illumination Deliverance. Deliverance meets us in this room. So we've talked about uh, the filter. We've brought it to you through Scripture in Episode 1. We talked about repentance. We talked about baptism. Episode 2, we talked about marriage. Episode 3, all very important things. And there is so much to talk about. Sometimes we struggle (laughs) deciding which ones we want to talk about. And today we're going to talk about one that uh, it, it could be uh, you know, a hot button topic. It could be controversial. It could be those things. But that all depends on what's made out of it with the understanding and knowledge that we have. And that is, we'll just use the word religion to start off and see where that takes us. We're going to talk about religion. Y'all up for it? Let's go. I think we're all about half in and half out right now because we know what we want to say and where we want to go. Uh, but it's 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 very it's not mainstream, and so like I said, if you hadn't listened to episode one and you don't know our hearts, you, you need to, uh, and you don't know what we're fighting for, uh, you might view it as an assault, and perhaps it is an assault. Matter of fact, we may call it that. We are going to assault the darkness today, but before we assault the darkness. We need to make one, one thing very clear to our brothers and sisters who are on the other end of this, listening to it, that we are not against people. 
Not at all. Matter of fact, we are for people. We are against systems. And I understand because people are so tied up in religious systems that that, that becomes their identity that if you assault their system, it feels like an assault on them. And the last thing we want to do is an assault, assault a person. But we are after the system, the system of religion. So if you can, before we jump into this, try to understand that we are not talking about you as a person, but the systems that we are all shaped and molded by and have been shaped and molded by are very much on the table for us to deal with. And so open your mind, open your heart, open your ears, and just hear us out and understand that it is not about you. It is not about you. It is about something that is much bigger than all of us. So the word, can we agree on that? But they, maybe they would like to hear y'all's take on that before we get started. I hope, the hope of today is that anybody that has been raised up, brought up in a way to where they cannot worship, praise, uh, serve, serve, live biblically, biblically, I can't say the word, (laughs) or were like me, I'll just be honest with you, uh, uh, embarrassed or ashamed to, to worship and praise. I hope that we can give you some content that frees you. And that is my heart. Free you. Free them. Free them in areas that they don't even know they're bound. That they don't even know because it's just ingrained in them from a child. Okay. The word of the day is deliverance. Deliverance. The podcast, the filter. It's intended to create deliverance Deliverance. in all things through the Bible. My people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. And, all right, religion. Religion. You know, it's one of them words in spiritual warfare. We, we were probably all, to some degree, taught spiritual warfare uh, in the church. But if we really, really, really stopped and listened to it, we were taught very little about it. It was a word that was used, and we're in spiritual warfare, and we never were given the depths. No names, no faces. A concept instead of an act. Yeah. Religion's the same way. The word religion. And here's, here's why I say that. I've heard many preachers across all denominal lines sit and rail on religion. But I can't think of one time to where one of them explained really what religion was at its, at its core. And so I, I, I urge you, if you, you have a pastor that uses the term, we don't, you know, this spirit of religion, go sit down in his office and ask him to explain exactly what he's talking about in depth and understanding. I don't think there's a spirit of religion in the Bible. Not not in the terms that we use, not in the way that we use. It's never been explained. 
And it wasn't until the filter that I could understand what they were saying. Now, again, this is about the system that created this, not about the voices, not about the men and women in the pulpit, the Sunday school teachers and all the social media theologians. We don't need religion. I'm tired of this religious spirit. And they never explain it. Really what they're talking about, they, they should replace the word religion with denomination. Y'all just settle in, take a deep breath out there. We're all in the same boat with you here. We had to, we had to go through this among us, amongst our, one another before we sit here to bring it to you. So you got this one denomination. They're screaming, that old dead spirit of religion that's gripped so many other churches and preachers. Usually that comes then to worship styles. At least it did from my side of the aisle. And again, if you didn't listen to the other ones, you got to listen to one. But I, I, I'm my my background is Pentecostal, and I'm sitting in front of two two men that were raised in the Baptist church. So when I talked about this, well, not not me, I tried not to do that the best I could. But even I got sucked into it, just like y'all did, and just like every person listening did. I got sucked into when I talked about that old spirit of religion. It was about them churches down the road that don't do nothing. There ain't an amen. You don't say nothing. You get them three points in that sermon. The one special song. 30-second song for the invitation. Everybody go home. We out by noon. Dead, or else. Old dead spirit of religion. But we made time to acknowledge the church down the road <laughs> that, right. that was opposite us. That's right. So y'all sitting there and y'all's references, that old spirit of religion down the road to where they're flopping on the ground and everybody's running around and preaching all this. It ain't nothing but emotionalism. It ain't nothing but a spirit of religion. And they're both wrong. And they're, well, yeah, well, it depends on what side of the fence you're on. I was convinced that my side was right. Y'all were convinced over there that your side was right, and we're sitting here looking at each other. And really what people are saying when they talk about the spirit of religion, really that's a shot over the fence at the other side to another denomination that you don't agree with or that you don't like. Or just the entire concept of organized religion and what it entails now. Which is just about everything we just mentioned. Yep. It's really about style. People just stop going to church because they're sick of it. They're sick of... Yeah. Uh, who's right and who's wrong. Who's right, who's wrong. Going to church and not being delivered from their their problems or not seeing anybody delivered from their their problems in life. And what's the point of going to church whenever nobody's delivered from anything? And the whole point of the church, the Bible, God, is deliverance. It is. And it's like rooting for your team in football. Uh, it's the way I experienced it. Uh, you know, we had, we were here and our rival was down the road and, you know, we were better, but you're, but you're on the same team. Well, now that they know, well, I hope they were, I hope we're all on the same team. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. But now that everyone out there listening knows what we're going to talk about, then let's talk about it. Let's put the filter on it. Now, we know, and you know out there from previous episodes, that the gods have 
multiple targets, but there are two main targets were the children and the temple. And it was a quest. It was a quest of theirs to invade the temple. It was so much a part of their quest that in every temple in the scripture, church, whichever one you want to use, temple, church, from the Old Testament to the epistles, I'm talking about from the tabernacle in the wilderness through all the temples of the Old Testament, through kings and first and second kings and first and second Samuel, all, all the way through until you get to Jerusalem and the gospels and then the epistles. Their plan was to invade the righteousness of the temple. Now we can give you examples of that. We, we, we can if, if, you would like for us to. We don't have no way of knowing that because you can't talk to us right now, but they invaded it. Now, my go-to in that invasion is uh, 2 Kings 23 to where King Josiah, which is filter-wise is my favorite chapter in the Bible, 2 Kings 23. It is just an absolute throwdown between God and the gods. And they had invaded the temple. They had brought their own idols into what was a place that was supposed to be designated to the house of the Lord. What was there and what was holy and what was proper and what was told to them that should be there and should be holy and should be proper. All of a sudden, idol worship shows up in it. Then it shows up amongst the people. So when Josiah is raised up as a teenager, gets some years under his belt, he just absolutely goes in and destroys the idol worship um, that is both within the temple and without of the temple. He starts tearing altars down and ripping stuff out of the temple. And I mean, Jehu calls a holy convocation. <laughs> he lied about it, but he gathered all the idol worshipers together in the temple. Took them out. And telling them we're going to make a sacrifice to your gods. And they all showed up to do it. And when he got there, they locked the doors and his men killed all of them. But they didn't think twice about coming. It made sense to them. No, it was just normal. Day. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, God Almighty is etching out, thou shalt have no other gods before me on top of the mountain. And even in that moment on the mountain, it was invaded by the gods because they had built a golden calf down in the valley. And what happens? Moses shows up. Who's on the Lord's side? The Levites raise their hand and say, we are. He said, good. And 3,000 of them were killed that day. So what we're talking about is serious business. I hope you don't think it's just a conversation or just an ax to grind. What we're talking about is absolute serious business because their target is the temple. Your church, where you go, is the target and has been the target from the beginning. Their goal was to invade the temple. Do you have any other references that you'd like to reference as far as an invasion of the temple? You know, Ezekiel uh, is is full of of it. Uh, Ezekiel has a a, a vision, and uh, God shows him where uh, they've got idols hidden in the temple, where there's uh, uh, people weeping to the gods outside the temple, where there's twenty five men turning their backs to the temple and worshiping the sun. Uh, it it just there's there's too many to list in a. In it's all up. When you, when you yeah. get to 
Yeah. The it's New basically Testament. the whole whole New Testament almost. Both. Both Testaments. Even starts off in the Gospels with Matthew. It was the chief priest and the elders, the chief priest of the, of, of the temple and the elders that persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and put Jesus to death. Matthew, uh, Matthew 27, 20. Deuteronomy 32, uh, they sacrificed unto the devils and not to God, but to the gods whom they knew, to the new gods that came newly up, whom their fathers feared not. Everywhere you look. It's an invasion. Hebrews, and Corinthians. You name it. It's in there. We're going to we're, we're get off in them in a moment because I think it's vitally important to understand. And I don't care what kind of church you go. I don't care where your church is. I don't care what you believe. This applies to you. Apply to our church. Applies to our church. 100%. It, there's been an invasion of the temple. Now, anybody, let, let's establish that. And I think we have established it and probably could spend 30 minutes talking about all the happenings in the Bible to where priests were invaded and it became about sexual immorality and money and worshiping idols in private while they served in the house of the Lord. Which is why I don't think it's so much, you know, we've had the conversation. I don't think it's so much they're coming after the children, but they're coming after the marriage. There's that. Either way, yeah, it is an invasion of the temple. And so uh, that is their target. Now, nobody thinks on whatever side of the fence they're on that they're facing this. We have the truth, and they're not invading us. They might be invading them people down the street. But they're not invading us. They're invading your church. We have the truth. There is the dividing line. There are no exclusions to this. They've, in, they've been doing it since antiquity. There is zero exclusions. So anybody that knows me, and I think you two will be able to say amen to this. Scott, from a historical point of view and me and Brother Roberts doesn't go, relationship doesn't go far as far back as me and uh, Scott's does. I have a great disdain for this conversation. I have always had a great disdain for denominations, all of them. Now, again, I love the people. I have friends in the denomination that I grew up in, that my father was in. I have men, women, friends that I greatly, greatly respect and admire. I pastor. 75% of the church that I pastor does not come from the background that I come from. I don't know how that happened. That certainly was not a plan, and that certainly presents its challenges for them and me. And this would be a good time for y'all to say amen, amen on that because you have seen those challenges. You have been a part of those challenges and you have challenged me. But one thing has been consistent. I, I, I do love people and I respect people. And I get a bad rap sometimes because people think when I'm railing on institutions that I'm railing on the people of those institutions. And I am not. And it I couldn't can, be. I can vouch for that uh, on both sides of the fence. Because when I first met him, 
uh, absolutely thought he was uh, coming directly at me. You thought I was. You thought I was anti-Baptist people. I, I did. Let's just say. Let's just say it now. Okay. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Can we just say it? Let's just make that way everybody listening can know exactly what we're talking about. We don't need any ambiguous conversations in this where we're going. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to make sure we threw a name on that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and I think it's important for everybody listening at this point to know you, you can, you can put your fist down because it's, uh, you know, it may get a little tougher to hear before it gets better to hear. But when, when I met him, uh, I, I thought he was completely, uh, anti-Baptist, uh, people. 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 And, uh, you know, now, I know his heart, uh, and here we sit uh, doing a podcast trying to reach people and uh, and free them from things they may not know that has them chained. So here we are. Well, I'm go ahead, Scott. Uh, it's fine. I I, I just, but I'm also just as much against my side of the aisle system as I am where you guys came from, because I hate systems in my preaching. In my conversations, I've never been partial to anything. And so um, there, I just I want to get that out because I think that's key for the listener to understand that this is not a this this is not a uh, a biased conversation. And so the temple has been invaded in every way, shape or form. And just, and I, so, just so it's said, this isn't exclusive to Baptist or. Methodist or anything or Pentecostal, Pentecostal. It's all of them. It's every. It's every star on a flag. Denomination, Catholic. It's everything. And we're going to tell you why in a moment. We're going to tell you why. So when we let's, I don't want us to wait too long before we get there, but we got to lay a little groundwork because uh, I have a great disdain for these systems. I think these systems have robbed people of the glory and the power and the deliverance that God wants to place in their life uh, and put in their life. I think there's been a great, a great robbery of that. And we know why. So when the filter came about, we had so much that we had to look at. Clearly we had the horoscopes and history and ancient writings and tying that back to scripture. Again, episode one, we had to look at some main things, marriage, repentance, baptism in the scripture and there was some of that stuff that when we run like repentance and baptism run through my upbringing i was like oh lord and then there were some things that when you run it through your upbringing he was like oh lord uh it really made us rethink some things that that we were we were taught right there in scripture knowing what we know now and i had a i had a dream one night and it was it wasn't a very deep dream. I just remember uh, I just remember waking up and in my dream, I became so excited about finding something in the book of Galatians. Didn't have a chapter or verse in the dream. It was just I was so excited in that dream. I found it, I found it, I found it, I found it in Gal- I found it. And there's there's debate on whether or not uh, Galatians or Thessalonians is chronologically the first epistle written. Some people think it's Galatians, some people it's Thessalonians. That really doesn't matter. Uh, but I woke up and 
and I struggled with it all morning. I'm all right, let me get my Bible out. And I started reading through Galatians and I called, I think I called Robert about it and we talked about it and we had no idea. So I just started reading and I started reading and Paul in Galatians starts just ripping the works of the law in Galatians. Stuff we've heard our whole life as he does in Romans and all the epistles. He deals with the law and circumcision. And it's, we've heard it our whole life. We've preached is the works, the works of the law. And I'm sitting here reading and it dawned on me. Why is Paul writing about the works of the law to Gentiles? They wasn't raised with the law. Could have there been? Could there have been some Jews sprinkled in through the conversation? We'll get there in a moment. Just hang on. But the letter was written to a church that was non-Jews. It, the epistles are written to non-Jewish. Am I right about that? Have, I, have we missed that out of all the things we've looked at? I think that's right. And I'm sitting here looking at it going, why is Paul ripping the law to people who have never practiced the law? What good could that have done? Why is Paul writing about circumcision? This is where we at were before. This is the early stages. About circumcision to Gentiles who had no covenant with God in circumcision. And then it dawned on us, and then we started reading, and we found it. There's two trains of thought here that you need to understand. One, when Paul deals with circumcision in the epistles, we have always thought that that is just linked to the works, the works of the law. But when it's written, you really don't see much of a link between circumcision and the law. It's usually just the works of the law, and then circumcision is a separate thing. Just like baptism, we thought that was a Christian thing or a Jewish thing at the time in Scripture. What we found was that circumcision predates Abraham. So circumcision among the pagans in the places the church was built was also normal operating procedure. So when Paul deals with this type of stuff, he's dealing with it from, at times, a paganology type thing. You can't trust in it. Even if you're a pagan, you were taught to do it, you still can't trust in it. If it sounds familiar, it's because you heard the same story about baptism. Episode two. <laughs> exactly, because baptism, they were baptized at 2,000 years before. That's episode two. You should go listen to that if you have questions on baptism. And it doesn't stop here either. The works of the law is one that got me, because why is he talking about the law to the epistles? What we found was, that when the church started, and you understand that there's one doctrine in the Bible, we'll get there in a moment, the church was founded up on how the first church was founded in Jerusalem. And they're preaching Christ, and they are converting pagan worshipers that are worshiping the gods in their temples, in their cities. It was then that some Jews came along 
Now, this is plays out to us in Antioch. There were Jews around these Gentile cities because that's where Paul and Peter got in a knockdown drag out in front of the whole church because Peter was acting one way around the Gentiles, but when the Jewish brothers came around, Peter started acting another way. He was all good with everything going on until the Jewish fellows came around him. And they can pause it. I caught him in the face. One of my favorite lines in the Bible. He, he said it wasn't proper for Peter to be acting that way. So I dealt with it. So what happened was when the church was being established, all of a sudden some Jews came in and said, Hey guys, we love what you're doing. Thumbs up. Let's add a little, let's add a little circumcision to this. Hey, guys, we love the churches that you are converting a lot of people away from uh, Pan's temple and Diana's temple. And hey, you're, you're converting a lot. If you want to go to Galatians, you're converting a lot of people away from, from the temple of the angels that you guys are worshiping. Hey, we'd love that. You probably, hey, people are starting to give. And, you know, it looked like you got a pretty good operation running here. Uh, looks like you're doing pretty good. Let's add a, a, a We like what you're doing. Let's just, let's add a little law to it. How am I doing so far, man? That's it. Mm -hmm. Let's add a little bit of this to it. Yeah, but Paul didn't tell us to do that. That's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about what Paul says. Let's just add a little bit of, let's add a little bit of what we've been doing over here to what y'all are doing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the birth of the modern-day denomination. You can be mad at me. You can fight me over it, not literally, in spirit. You can disagree with it all you want to. But that was the birth of the modern-day denomination. We like what you're doing there. Let's add a little bit of how we do it. And if you're not doing it exactly how we're doing it, well, then you don't have it all. Here's what we, <laughs> y'all two just looking at me like, there ain't really much else to be said about it. I mean, there just ain't. to be honest with it, you. It's just, see, well, you got to understand something about being, uh, about all the writings in the epistles. There was no other church down the road. Absolutely not. There was, there, no was church. there was no First Baptist. There was no First Pentecostal. There was the Temple of Diana. There was the gods, yep. the darkness. Those other things did not exist. So when Paul writes his writings, he is writing to people that have been converted from paganism into the church. And he's either fighting one of two things or both. He is inviting, he is, he is fighting an invasion of their old life, which the, that's the gods, their old idolatry, their old, their old morals, their, own, their old how they usually do things. And then they, they're converted, but they're new. They didn't have the Bible. And we'll get on faith in a moment. They didn't have the Bible. They are new. They are trusting in something they've never heard. We've heard Jesus our whole life. They were the Bible. They had never heard it. Jesus is more so, normal to us than... So they're, they're just as normal to us as 
Artemis was to them. Yeah, they're exactly. Their normal was to have these statues and graven images and things that in their home and in their life. So when they converted, there was always this easy way to try to somehow mesh the two together. And there's the invasion. Or it was the invasion of the Jews that were trying to come in and add things to what Christ had already done. Or perhaps take away from what Christ had all already done. That is the birth of the denominations. So when Paul writes all of his writings to the church, Paul is not combating the church down the road. That's right. Why? Why was he not combating combating the church down the road? Because there wasn't. Because there was no church. Down he was combating the, road. the pagan gods, he was the influences he, the nature that they entail. Man, I wish we could get that the lives that the people that he was trying to convert from. So let's 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 give an example here of what we're talking about. The people in these churches that he was writing to, maybe outside of the pagan Jews, because we know pagan Jews were in that cult of angel worshippers. In, in Galatians, but yeah. we also know it was also made up largely of Gentiles. We know that these people had already been baptized in Jesus' name. That was the staple and the standard in the church, in the epistles. Always in Jesus' name, by the way. Yeah, it was. And it had, if you don't know, if you think that we're debating doctrine there, go listen to episode two. It has nothing to do with doctrine or any of that. We're going to, I hope when we're done with this, uh, that whole line of conversation lies bleeding on the side of the road and dies. The only doctrine the, that we can entail is the Bible. And so if you're going to call the Bible doctrine, you might as well just let's talk hang about it all that. up. Let's talk about it. How, the, how the, the first church in Jerusalem was born was the standard of birth of how the rest of them were born. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. It's, that's it. That's why... You never see any of the first church disciples and Paul arguing over how this should be done. It's not a line of thought. It was just the way it was. So, okay, well, what about Romans 8? Let's talk about Romans 8. And the faithful scripture of uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And... There are people out there that just believe that to be salvational doctrine. But let us now look at the context of which that was written, shall we? One, we grew up with Jesus. You you don't even know how, you can't even remember how old you were the first time you heard the word Jesus. Cannot. Um, We all went to Sunday school, at least as little. That's all I heard was Jesus. So when I got old enough to just remember anything, Jesus was a normal a word as waking up in the morning is to me. Try to understand that when the Bible talks about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, this is dealing with people who had never heard the name. 
they had not went to Sunday school. There was no Sunday school. They had never went to church before. There was no church. Yeah, in Rome, there was Artemis's temple. Maybe that's where they had been. They hadn't heard the word Jesus. Well, Nobody had heard the word Jesus. No Jesus at Artemis's temple. They didn't have any writings to look on like we have the Bible that proclaimed and professed Jesus. None of that existed. They what were, Paul was doing, basically. They were the Bible. So to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord was for them to literally believe in something that they could not see, that they had never heard, and that they had never experienced before. And it was completely way, way, way outside of the norm where they lived. That's why Paul would always write about being unashamed of Christ. I, we, we see that and we oh, I will proclaim Christ on my social media page. For them to be unashamed, they literally had to go against everything that was normal to them. To believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. This was a big, big deal. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't even know how deep that is. Because what we do is more of a belief of information. We've heard it our whole life. It's easily, oh yes, Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. Well, yeah, it's pretty easy for us to say. Absolutely. We've heard it our whole life. It's as common as milk, egg, and breads on your uh, shopping list. Yeah. When he writes that. We were raised in it. It might have been people that threw their kids down in a hole the week before. Or were given all type of, doing all type of sexually immoral things in the name of their God, perhaps in the temple. In the temple. In the temple, literally. And that was normal to them. And so now it's like, come serve Jesus. Well, who is that? That's why the Bible talks, says things like, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's because they had nothing to see. No idols. No, they had nothing to see as far as Jesus goes. That's what I mean. We, yeah, Jesus, we, Jesus had no idolatry yeah, hear, to, to If we follow. want to show an unchurched person an unsaved servant, we can. We have a whole book we can open up here. Let's read about Jesus. They didn't have that. You, you believed. Perhaps you had heard some things that come out of Jerusalem about what Jesus did, but there was no information. It was ground. It was it was groundwork. The first church was being born. So when that came up and conversion started happening. To confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord, to, ac- to accept the Lord as your personal Savior. I think that's the phrase in a lot of churches. Mm. I don't even compare. Baptist. <laughs> compared to what that looks like in the scripture, those two things aren't even remotely close to one another. No, because, because I mean, we ain't, we ain't got to worry about getting our heads chopped off. <laughs> Because in order for them, exactly, see, in order for them to believe in their heart and then confess with their mouth, that was a confession, not just to Christ, but against Caesar, all the gods they worship, perhaps their family members. And that was a time that if you got found out worshiping Christ, you, you were worshiping Christ, they may cut your head off as you so beautifully pointed out. So whose faith is stronger? <laughs> Wait, I don't even know if we're in the realm of that faith. It's impossible at all. Me, so think. 
to take that as I'm not saying it's not at least, sal- at least in America. At least I'm, in America, I'm not saying it's not salvational doctrine. I'm not saying I'm not going to sit here and say it is salvational doctrine. I'm going to sit here and say that modern day doctrine of any kind based on that scripture without the context of that scripture, it just doesn't even exist. That's right. Not in reality. It's not apples to apples. It's not, not even close. And so now you got churches that that is how you get, you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you know what that meant for them when that was written? You know, the sacrifice in their life they took to do that. And are we going to reduce that down to just a little simple prayer? It's also worth noting in, in that Romans. you have now professed something that you already believed. And you believed it because you had information. Mm. How do those two things walk hand in hand? Yeah. How does that, how does that work? Without the context of where and how that was written. And so now we got all these silly arguments. The spirit of religion. The spirit, again, which really should be talked about. I'm talking about the denomination down the road when I say that. We've got all these silly arguments popping up among us that in nowhere in Scripture pop up amongst the brethren. Now we have all these differences in the Scripture that, well, we love to talk about it. Oh, man, we love to talk about it. We like to argue about it, and we, we, like, to, we like to hash it out the best way that we can. And then if you go look in the Bible, at the context of which it was written, none of it's actually there. I think most verses doesn't that even exist. Religion or even individuals pick out they they it's like there's this one verse that they've created a golden calf of. Well, let's talk about and it. that has no meaning to what they're actually trying to convey within that that verse. Which is why I really hate this idea of just pulling one verse and being like, "This proves my point." It's like it doesn't if you actually read the book you can take the whole and have the context you don't even need the filter sometimes you just have to read the whole book and then with the filter you could take it beyond that of course but like sometimes even without the filter you're just like what do you mean how how, how how did you get that how did you get that from from that? that like the whole um what is it how they say it like saved with evidence or something with with proof like, where does that even come from? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm coming. Just hang on. Brother. I get ahead of you again? No, not really. Not really. I just, I, did, I wasn't going to go there. Not because I didn't want to go there. I just didn't think about it until you said it. Because that, that word comes from my side of the aisle. If I hear it in context, if I filter through how I was born, yeah. that, that statement comes from my side of the aisle. I couldn't remember and which, I am, which I denomination. I'm with you on that. It. Before we get, let's we're gonna talk. Let's talk about some hot button stuff. Before we do that, brother Robert, you want to add anything to this before we get into some examples? I, I'm anxious to hear what he's talking about because I've I've not heard that, and I would just say to this: to y'all gonna people, make me quote it too, to, and y'all gonna make me do it to the yeah, people right. listening. Ask yourself this question. How do we all love Jesus but can't figure out how to love each other down the road? Mm-hmm. That's think how, about that. How do you th- how do you no, let's 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 narrow that down. How how do you think we all love Jesus? 
which even that's that's up for debate. And I think that's fair. And we got 200 different denominations in North America alone. Yeah, how does that work? And just about all of them are at odds with one another, at least about something. And are just about gonna, all the people in those churches. we sit here and say that the Bible's that confusing and take all of man's responsibility out of that and place it on the Bible. Mm. Is that is that really what we're going to sit here and do? Are we really going to sit here and say, I'm right and you're wrong? Or you're right and I'm wrong? Well, I know ain't nobody going to say I'm wrong. That's how we got here. And the clan war continues. So let's let y'all want to talk about some hot button issues. Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about one. Well, we'll get started with it. We'll talk about the Trinity and the Oneness Godhead War. And former representatives of that war sit across the room from each other right now. And I know you're probably wondering how did y'all come to middle ground on that? Well, it was pretty easy. The Bible. No, no, not even. Well, the, yes, the Bible, ultimately. <laughs> it's it always was, the Bible. How did y'all find some middle ground on that? Well, let, let's talk about it. Let's. And here, here's how I got to it. Because when the filter was so much to look at, I did not know. I mean, I didn't have a plan on what we were going to prioritize and what we was not. So about three or four weeks ago, I'm coming back on a Tuesday night uh, from Carthage. And the scripture just jumps into my mind. Now, you know, if you know where I came from, you know that I'm on the I'm on the oneness side of this, and you guys were on the Trinity side of this. Mm-hmm. And I know they're so uncomfortable out there listening to this right now. <laughs> I was there too. I know. Just and so I'm coming back, and a scripture just popped in my mind. I'm 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 driving. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2 and 9. And it just popped into my head. Now, historically in my life, that scripture has been used for one thing. And that was as a weapon that's pro-oneness, anti-Trinitarian. And I know they're waiting on us to explain each side and we're not going to do that. Because we don't have to. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to get home and find out what that means since the Lord just brought it to my remembrance. Well, I sit down and I put the filter on all of Colossians. So I opened up Colossians and then I set, set it to the side and I Googled who are the, who are the gods of the Colossians? Or the, who was, what gods, pagan gods were worshipped in Colossians? Well, what I found was that they were worshipping, there was their, what was called a cult of angel worship. That was what Paul was dealing with in, in the region, in the area. Matter of fact, what was strange about it, because there was pagan Jews involved and, of course, Gentiles. And they were even worshiping, some of them were even worshiping the archangel Michael because mm-hmm. they thought he came and drove his sword in the ground and caused a spring to come up and it gave them water. And ultimately what it came back to was the worship of magic. And we know magic always ties back to Ashtoreth in the old, the filters at work. So now I know who's worshiping what, what the, what, what, what the scene was that they had built a church here and what was trying to invade the temple. So now when I get to that verse of scripture and I read it 
and he's telling them in him, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. My first, my, the real thought, the truth for the first time was illuminated to me in that scripture. That had zero to do with the Godhead as we conversate about it. Zero. Because the next verse says that we are complete in him. For he is the head of all principality and power. Which gives credence. Off air a while ago we were talking about it. What you were talking about, Scott, and principalities of power. Mm-hmm. Is the rank of the angels. And it could be the rank of those in the darkness. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but power and principalities. The same it's the same wording that Paul uses. And then you get to the worship of angels in Galatians. He uses the phrase, the worshiping of angels, so we know it was a real thing. Had zero to do with the Godhead that I've always heard. That scripture's not even in the ballpark. Like that, the, the, the conversations that we have about the Godhead, and I say, yeah, yeah, I'm oneness and you're Trinitarian, and yeah, but in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead body. That has zero to do with that conversation. Mm-hmm. So now go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That has zero to do with any Trinity or oneness theology. That's right. Zero. So what did we come up with on this? I hope y'all are still tuned in because here's the point. What did we come up with on this? That the Godhead debate as we know it does not exist in Scripture. It doesn't. You can't find it in the Bible. It is not there in context, in word, or information. It is a trumped up conversation created out of thin air that goes back or goes back to 300 or 400 or 500 AD after the church was established to where men decided they was going to make a different doctrine. And I don't know how you view that, but where I come from in my own simple mind That is something that I would call created. Mm -hmm. By a council. The council of Nicaea. The whole. Is it Nicaea? I can't remember how to pronounce it, but it's essentially where that was created at was a council of individuals, a council of churches, or however. I've never done the research on what that actually entails, which is. Out of thin air. Yeah. And when it was created, it automatically created more division. Because Mm -hmm. it's not in the Bible. The context, there was no conversation in the Bible between none of the brethren about, hey. Find in the Bible where it says that are you, we are three different entities. Are you, are you a trinity or are you a oneness? Matter of fact, the Jesus whole, says the, the Father and I are one. It, the, whole, the, whole, the whole train of thought, as we know it, you're quoting scripture, but as we know, know the argument, the debate, the divisive position, it does not exist in Scripture. It is not there. Now, you might, you might find some Scripture and put it into what you want to believe that somebody else told you you needed to be, you needed to believe. 
But just because you believe that does not mean it is in Scripture. Yeah. This, it this, is that's what this is the conversation is about is that there's doctrine, there's the word, that people are taught from childhood or just ingrained with over time that creates this this mindset that it's difficult to remove or relearn. It's like muscle memory almost. I have been taught my whole life that the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is the Godhead. And now trying to unlearn that is hard. And it was kind of difficult for me. It, but, but what you mean by unlearn that is in the eyes of how man told you to view it. Exactly. Because the Father, Son, Holy Ghost are words in Scripture. Yes. They are found but together. But we are taught. We are taught differently than God is a, is God. We're you know? all, yeah. Oh. It, it, we're, it's our own idea. We, we've end up worshiping at the altar mm-hmm. of a fictitious position. If you believe, if you engage in the doctrine of the Godhead based solely on how you were raised and you argue it amongst the brethren, you are participating. I don't think I can get this point across as, as God, I hope I do. You are participating in a war that does not exist in scripture it is created only created by the way uh only to divide us now we could get the, into the gods want to infiltrate the church and but, how do you infiltrate the church the easiest by creating division creating division the the train of thought the conversation well i believe in the trinity that's not in scripture. Nobody, there was no Trinity oneness. There was no Godhead's debate in the scripture. Again, there was no other churches down the road. Paul, Peter, John, Jesus, nobody in scripture was ever seen having a debate or conversation about what they were going to believe when it came to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's right. It is not there. And so to use Colossians 2.9, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, to back up a position is to back up a position that does not exist in Scripture. But can I say <laughs> that I agree 100% and I still, from my years and years of upbringing, I still struggle to, to sort that out. Oh, me too. Because you, you're on the Trinity side of it. I'm on the oneness side of it. And now I don't want nothing to do with either one of them. Yeah. Y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all can have that war. Y'all fight it. Go ahead and fight it. Go ahead and fight something that does exist in Scripture and not even see why. Go worship at the altar of the created. Of religion. Because that is exactly what that is. It's, it was trumped up. What is the point of denominations? To add and remove what people desired. It has to be. I wish I could go back. It, it has to be. And I don't know that That's we could... That's the only definition I can come up with is that... So we have thousands of denominations. And what's the difference between them? Well, some of them believe this. Some of them believe that. Some of them don't believe this. Some of them don't believe that. The whole purpose of them creating that denomination is so that they can add or subtract the things that they want or the things that they don't want from the Bible. It's, it's, it, 
that's the whole purpose. And what? Why do people do that? Because money adding. Let's just no. Let's answer. Let if we're gonna do a podcast, <laughs> we're gonna do a podcast. All right. It's about control and money. It's about control, but and money. Uh, I would say money too. Because the love of it is the but, root. But of, the, the love. I'm gonna get this out. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's right. And it takes a whole lot of evil to convince people to fight a war that does not exist. Mm-hmm. Carry on, sir. But it also allows the, the religions and the people who abide by these religions to pick and choose what they don't want to do according to the Bible. I can, I, because I'm over here, I can drink alcohol and over here, I can't. So I'm going to go to this church over here. Or I can be promiscuous in this religion, but not this one. So I'm going to choose the one I can. And it, people just dumb it down or filter it out or however they want to just to be able to live the life that they want to within that religion. So there's money, there's greed, lust. The purpose of religion is to destroy humanity. The purpose of all the denominations is to destroy humanity. It removes the one important thing in life, which is the Bible, if you're a Christian. And everything you just said. And hopefully you are a Christian if you listen to this. And everybody that just heard what you said is saying he's absolutely right about the church down the road. Yep. Let me tell you all something. Every single denomination, every single denomination is part of this same construct. It is the worship. The gods invaded the church. They invaded individuals to create denomination to pick and choose what parts of the Bible or add parts to the Bible externally to do what they want to do, to get the things that they want out of religion so they don't have to abide by the Bible. Now, let me give some examples to that. I've been to churches where you can raise your hand and clap and shout and praise, but you better not come in if you ain't dressed a certain way. Mm -hmm. I've been to churches where uh, you can sing a little bit, you sit there and you be quiet, but you're not welcome if you're of a different ethnicity. Mm. What do you mean by ethnicity? Like if you're a different skin color? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Mm. I just, I just want to make sure that we I want to make sure that we said that out loud. I've been to churches where somebody from a different denomination would come in and raise their hand in worship and afterwards was talked about. These are some examples of denominations, different rules. We all love Jesus, but we do it a different way here. Uh and don't worry about what the Bible says. We, we, we've worked that out for you. We've picked out what We have mean. created our own system in how we operate here. And we cannot deviate from it. Why would they? Because this is who we are. Why would they choose to remove things like clapping of hands or raising of hands or music? Because that worships God yeah. in a way that is meaningful well, that's, in the church. That's your side of the aisle. It is. My side of the aisle. Why in the world would you do some of the crazy things I've seen done in church services? Self-worship. It's all (laughs) self-worship because it's all the worship of a created, Mm -hmm. of a created thing. 
All of it. They're praising their denomination and not the they're God. Praising, they're praising the way that they do it. That's, I would agree with that too. And how they do it is usually represented by the star on their flag of what they are. I mean, I've heard people say, if you wasn't Pentecostal, what would you be? I'd be ashamed of myself. If I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't Baptist, uh, what would you be? I'd be ashamed of myself. Uh, be ashamed of yourself for not following the Bible. I'd be ashamed of myself. <laughs> I would be ashamed of myself if I bowed myself down to a system that was born out of division mm-hmm. because the gods invaded the temple. Now, if we had Methodists and Baptists and Pentecostal and Catholics and all that in the epistles, well, obviously, oh, we wouldn't, had a we wouldn't be having this conversation, but we don't. And so perhaps because we we have this system of creation in play, perhaps that's why they all fight one another instead of fighting the gods. Mm. Now, and here's the mm. funny thing about religion is, one, uh, everybody's got a bad spirit of religion except the church they're saying the words in. And all of them are funding it. We need to kill this religious spirit, okay? Quit giving it money. None of it exists in the Bible. It is not there. It does not exist. I do what you want to with it. It does not exist, which means that if that's what identifies you, you are now identified by a creature. By the created. No, by a creature. And Paul in Romans 1, what does he say? You have now worshipped the creature over the creator. We have people that don't like parts of the Bible because that's not how we were raised. And that's on both sides of the aisle that's sitting in this room right now. It's true. There are parts of the Bible I didn't want to read and I didn't want to talk about because I thought it worked against how I was raised. Or you just didn't understand it. And then there's people that's listening to this that I believe some things in Scripture. I know some things in Scripture now that work against how you were raised. Well, guess what? If the Word says it, and it works against how you were raised. Which one's the problem? Which one's created and which, which one's, one's in not? context? Because the Bible does not deal with what you believe. It does not believe it does not confirm or even deny denominations in scriptures. It simply does not address it because it none of it existed. It was not there. There's one doctrine, the truth. One. There's one Bible, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Do you know, we can put this into the Trinity, oneness, Godhead conversation. Do you know why the Bible is so keen on the singular nature of God? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. In the name, even, even in that scripture, in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, that's still a singular name. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There are three that bear witness in heaven. Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's not the doctrinal debate material about the Godhead. The Scripture's not dealing with an opposing force that's trying to tear, tear down the Godhead. I've already explained that. The reason 
The reason that it is in the Bible is because it is fighting polytheism. Mm -hmm. That it's fighting the gods. You had a god for everything, a dog god, a tree god, a frog god. Baal, Ashtoreth, Moloch, a pantheon of gods. Go Google the gods of any of the epistle cities and you will find what Paul is dealing with. But he is not dealing with another denomination. As much as we all like to get up and crow about which one we're a part of and what we believe and we have the truth, you do not. You have the truth on something that does not exist. In scripture, in context, context and in word. What you have is a Bible that fights the God that wants to kill your children, the God that wants you to be immoral, the God that wants you to worship pride and self-worship, Baal, Moloch, Ashtoreth, a pantheon of gods. These things didn't exist. I mean, I, I, well, I, don't, I don't know how far we want to go with, with it, but I'm, I'm willing to go. I mean, you both mentioned it on my side of the aisle. No, I, I don't understand how your side of the aisle can sit there and do nothing in the glory and the goodness of God when we have clear scriptures of how we are to worship and conduct ourselves. Yeah, and let me, and let me say this for, for those of y'all that are listening that identify with that. It, it takes some unpacking to, to shed that off of you. Mm-hmm. I it mean, it takes, it takes years almost to completely renew yourself of that. Today in worship, I sincerely pray to the Lord, help me to worship you holy and purely. Uh, I shouldn't have to, that shouldn't even be a thing uh, for me to have to try to figure out. Somebody uh, made it a thing. Somebody mm-hmm. made it a thing and it is stuck to me and I am trying to get it off of me and listeners, I want it off of you what's, too. What's the difference between that and brainwashing? <laughs> you know, we're taught in the Bible to do what we're supposed to do, which is worship raise hands, clap, be a part of the service, praise God. And we're serve born him. into, serve, we're born into this construct of religion that says, you don't have to do that. Why don't you have to do that? Oh, we just, you know, we just don't think that part of the Bible is uh, important. And at that point, you can throw the whole religion away. You can throw all of them away. You can throw all of them away. Because where I came from, it you, you didn't... Everything if your religion was, everything, has a where I, single where thing. I, where I came from, everything was based on how much you did those things. Yeah. It didn't matter what you learned. It didn't matter the depth of the spirit. It didn't matter who was delivered or set free or anything like that. Everything was gauged on the response on the response yeah. and how loud it was and sometimes how crazy it was. I'm talking people walking on the back of pews when I was little and rolling down. There's a reason we were called holy rollers. <laughs> There's a reason why we were called it. That, that's a real happening. And all of it was just created out of thin air. Just like mm-hmm. sitting there doing nothing is a creation out of thin air. Yep. It's, all, it's all a man's idea of what should be done. And none of it is captured in scripture. So, you know, we, I, I know I'm not going to have the Trinity or the oneness debate with anybody else. I am not going to sit and waste my time with something that did not exist in the Bible. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk about the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, we will sit and talk about the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We will talk about the name of Jesus. But I'm not going to sit and talk to somebody if I'm pro-oneness or pro-trinity or anti-oneness or anti-trinity. I'm anti-both of them. Yep. You know why I'm anti-both of them? Because it was created out of thin air. 
Like where I was, where I came from, and I know I probably shouldn't be talking about this, but maybe y'all could talk about some of y'all's hot button stuff and bring it up. You know, I know, I, you know, where I, I was identified how I was raised on how you dress because that was separation. Come out from among them and be the separate. I don't think anybody ever defined who them were, but I'm pretty sure it was not the church down the road. I'm pretty sure it, it was come out from among the pagan worshipers and be separated from them. And so, we, I mean, we've had a whole fight. They're fighting now in my past about how to overcome how they're supposed to dress and what mm-hmm. they're supposed to do and is it a sin. And a bunch of that stuff killed a, whole, my, killed a lot of the upper end of my generation. And they're using the work Paul's writings in Corinthians about what women, go ahead, brother, you, you're trying to get it out. Get it out. I, I, just wanna, I just want to read the verse that's before the one that you just referenced. Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then verse 17, therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. That ain't, that ain't got nothing to do with a dress code. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That has who you serve all over it. Who do you serve? Just like the cutting but where, of hair. But the, where, the where, that's, hair cutting. But that's, what we're t- that's where it goes to Corinthians. Yeah. And look, I'm not trying to start a war amongst, it, amongst uh, my people. Corinthians 11. But, but I am telling you that this is way out of context what's been taken with it. Paul is fighting in Corinthians a whole prostitution ring yeah. of cross-dressers that are operating out of the temple. Why? Because temple Ishtar, of Diana, the of temp- Ishtar. Yeah, because Ishtar had created that back in Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. We know that her, that her, that she was the goddess of prostitutes. She was the goddess of, uh, of, of the eunuchs and the cross dressers and the men and her, the priest in her temple would dress like women, and the women would dress like men. And the same thing in Mesopotamia and happening all through the Old Testament has happened in Corinthians. And Paul shows up and says, "We got to bring some order to this place. The temple's been invaded." by your idea of what you think it should be and what you think is proper. And now you have invaded the beauty of my temple with your own actions, your own ideas, and your own words. Ladies, please stop cutting your hair to look like men. Could y'all please not, ref- could you look like a lady, dress like a lady, and somehow, and men, could you, could you, and he lays out the examples of them and what they should do, and somehow we took that and pull, come out from among them and be ye separate and turned it into what we've turned it in today. There is zero, there is zero, look, well, we just trying to fight what they was fighting back in the day. Okay, well, if you have transgenders coming to your church, go deal with them. Dig out their past, figure out. Go get deliverance from them. Mm-hmm. True and deliverance, not make by the way. Up and not make and not build a golden calf to what you thought was being dealt with in that particular scripture. We've killed a whole generation of people that will not go to church over this subject. Yep. I'm not sitting here arguing or debating on how so if look, if somebody feels like this is what they gotta do to go to heaven, there is nobody that respects that more than me. But don't try to tell me that that what you do is the context of scripture and the intent of Scripture, because it is not. That's right. That, if that's what you just choose to do, I support it 100%. Yeah, but we, don't try to sit and make like you're fighting a war that was being fought in Scripture. 
because you're not. If you don't care if you don't want to cut your hair. Because that, you're That's not. your own prerogative. But to say that, biblically speaking, that I have to not cut my hair, that's, that's wrong. The reason that was in there, it was fighting an old, dark god. It was fighting an absolute chaos that was in the temple. It is my belief. Again, the gods are going to try to infiltrate the temple. It is my belief that the church should look like, uh, should look normal compared to normal society, and that men should be distinguishable from men, and women should be distinguishable from women, and uh, that if you have a walk with Christ, that should be pretty easy for you to figure out. And then come out from among them and be ye separate. Is not living a separated life in the context of that scripture. Come what out I, from among them and be ye separate was dealing with idol worshipers and idols. Whatever verse you're hanging your head on, go back and read the whole chapter. Uh, you know, because uh, again, it's it, you know very likely it's it's out of context uh, the way it was taught to you. Uh, More than likely, it was. And it's a good point for us to tell y'all again that we love y'all. We're just <laughs> against the institutions. Yeah, it's not about the people. No. But you can tell our passion, uh, or I hope you can. Well, we're just fight, to reiterate, we're, we're if your religion over. adds adds one thing or removes one thing from the Bible, you can throw the whole religion away. You can hold the, throw the whole denomination away. The whole thing. And the I don't whole, care what it is. I don't care thing. what it is. I'm talking. And you, 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 you can run that line to whatever you want. You can talk about the Godhead. You can talk about cessation. No, none, yeah. of that, none of that stuff existed in the nope. Bible. It is not in Scripture. It is not there. If you believe something in the Bible because your religion taught taught it to you, so if you run. have a, if you have a set of beliefs, then see if you can go how you view that set of beliefs. See if you can go find that struggle in the Scripture. And if your if your set of beliefs is based upon a denomination, and that's how you view it, you will not be able to find that in Scripture. Yes, we will find living holy before the Lord. That's right. But living holy before the Lord is servanthood. Well, even in the Romans who example you, serve? you gave earlier, in, in that Romans passage where the, that we as Baptists use that, you know, once you accept the Lord as your God and Savior, you're redeemed forever. Isn't that right above that at some point? He's saying that you have to live within the confines of what Jesus tells us to do. He says, let me tell you something. He says a lot in Romans that don't nobody want to talk about. No. On either side of the aisle. Everybody loves talking about the first 17 verses of Romans 1. Don't nobody want to talk about the rest of that chapter. I have seen people pick and choose in that little faith to faith. They live from faith to faith in the first 10 verses of, it's in the first 10 verses of Romans 1. Man, they love that one. We got to live faith to faith. Have you read the rest of it? The rest of it is frightening. But we don't read the rest of it. We're not taught to read the rest. I was not taught to read the rest of it. I was not taught to read the scripture before or the scripture after. Religion teaches us much to less, Much less the whole book. It does not. It takes our one little scripture, and this is what I believe, and it doesn't even matter who they were talking to. It doesn't matter what it this is. This is where I'm hanging my hat, and it becomes the worship of the created. And I have repented in my life for any role, and I have played substantial roles, even with you two. Have I not admitted that? You mm-hmm. have. Baptizing you, Robert, in Jesus' name, was a win for my side of the aisle. 
at the first time we talked about it. And then I learned that there is no my side of the aisle. <laughs> and there is no your side of the aisle. The aisles do not exist. That's right. They are not there. But the belief of them becomes stronger than the word. And then, let me tell you all something. I walked around uh, for years calling myself a Christian, going to heaven, but lived like who thought it. Uh, Ooh. Cussed, uh, drank, uh, just, you know. Yeah, but you had a moment, though. Yeah. We're going to get into that? Yeah, we're going to get into it. I'll get uh, into it real quick. We have, we have reduced salvation to a moment. And then everybody's fighting about it from across the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, my side of the aisle, we're looking over at y'all, and y'all, I, I have uh, accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. I went down to the altar when I was 12 years old and gave my life to the Lord. And did Hold on, just got hang baptized. on. Look, got to, let me give you the stick, and then y'all can have at it. I'm with <laughs> you. And y'all can talk to y'all's side. Maybe didn't even get baptized, because we took that out, too. You don't even need to be baptized to be saved. They don't do that no more? They no. just, you just, uh, baptism is just a public profession of faith. Never, uh, oh, never yeah. mind. Yeah, right. You're you right, know, right. Never, never mind. And of course, we have the history now, so we can't act like we've known this forever either. Never mind the commandments in Scripture. Now it's just a public profession of faith. Well, why wasn't it done in the epistles? It was done in the epistles. It was such a non-issue that there was no reason to put in there that everybody was baptized in the epistles. It was just yeah. commonly accepted that that's what was done. But Paul, however, does write to all the epistles and talk about how they were baptized into Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's because they were baptized into Christ Jesus. And many but times he reduce, says, were we not baptized in Jesus' name? Like Paul. In, or in the name of the Lord, Jesus yeah. Christ. Paul specifically says. But we have that moment. We got that moment to where you walk down the aisle at, at, at 15 or 50 and and I, I, can, I, I, I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. Well, I'm, my, my side of the aisle is over here going, no, you did not. You are not saved. You did not fulfill Acts 2.38 because you've got to do this. And the same people will get up in their testimony services and say, I'm, um, or tell you it on, you know, in town, I'm, you know, back in 1968, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And that was a moment. And both of them ain't never won a soul. Yep. They have bared no fruit of the Spirit whatsoever. Probably didn't live a life like they're supposed to. No, some did on both sides. Some did Absolutely. have that moment and they did. But a lot of them didn't. But they had their moment. Well, let me tell you something about that moment. That moment is nothing but the opposite ends of the same stick. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a trouble, trouble with being saved, being saved as a moment. Just like I've always had the trouble with the word works, with how it's been presented to the church. But being saved has got, you have got to be tied up and saved, and who mm -hmm. do you serve? Being saved is a process, not a moment. Yeah, and that's hard to explain, and I agree, but disagree. So I'll just leave that there. It's just got to be tied up into who do you serve. Well, it's a process because you have to serve the one true God. Why do we have? Why why is it that you get to have one moment of speaking in tongues or one moment of accepting your Lord and Savior, and then you don't produce anything else in the kingdom that the Bible tells you to produce? And we get to hold on to those and get to hold on to those salvational moments. Tell me how that's legitimate. We have people that have literally backslid out of Christianity with their lifestyles still having the belief that they are 
their salvation is assured because of that one moment in time. And beyond that, they never lived for God a single day of their life. What scares me for people is uh, you're baptized and, and uh, you, you never did change. You never did uh, have a, a, a relationship with Jesus, but you think you're okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, like they, they literally backslid out of Christianity by living lifestyles of intentional sin, lifestyles that do nothing to let's glorify put the fil- God. Let's, let's put the filter on it before we get in and they, we forget, they forget what we're doing here. Let's put the filter on. Oh, and you said something a second ago, and I thought about it again. Uh, we're not better than y'all in any of this, by the way. Like, we can talk about this because we're, we're in the process of learning about this, but there is no better than you uh, attitude with us about our revelations towards all of this. Like, no, I was just born again back in June. Yeah. Now, if I can stand in front of the church yeah. that I pastor and say that, then I can sit right here and say it to whoever's listening. I thought I was. I was not born. I, I, I didn't have any knowledge. No. I didn't have enough knowledge to be born again. Now, when I say knowledge, the Word of God, not my own knowledge. Because now I can already hear, well, the cross wasn't enough. I, can, I could already hear what's being said. You mean the cross? We're saved by grace through faith. There's nothing that we can do to be saved. I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying that we attain salvation by anything that we can do. I'm not saying that. All I know is that when they were converted in the epistles, they had to serve the Lord and not serve the gods. And we have people who now are serving the gods that claim to be serving the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, because we know the deeds of the God, now we can understand the sin. Y'all are judging people. We are not judging anybody. I judge mm-hmm. myself first, I can, yeah. I can tell you. Well, we are simply telling you that if the deeds of the God is, God's is produced in your life on purpose, with knowledge, you can claim whatever you want to. And your denominational system may be okay with it. The Bible isn't. But the kingdom of heaven is not. And I have proof in all that because every time they tried to do it in the epistles, Paul would write them a letter and say, stop. Yep. Quit doing that. You cannot do that. But because we have created such environments, and all environments are extreme. We have a lot of churches to where you just, you're saved once you make that acceptance or that proclamation. And then anything after that doesn't matter. When people start, well, you can't be saved by works. Okay, cool. I get it. I'm not arguing that necessarily. But you have presented that so poorly to people that now they're scared. No, not scared. They don't do anything ever. And back to your point, it's not about works. It's about what you you don't serve. By the way, when, when, when Paul talks about the works of the law, He's not talking about the law. He's talking about their worship. Yeah. Of the, they worship the law. They worship their identification. They worshiped their denomination. Yep. That be, what Paul really says about the law itself is, for law is the knowledge of sin, and that mm-hmm. we are to establish the law. Yeah, but Paul's telling them not. Paul's telling this about the law. He's telling them not to worship the law. Yeah. They worship their own way. Their flag. <laughs> they worship their flag. We're supposed to abide by the law. Paul went to we these still, places. We are still within the confines of that. 
Paul went to these places and, and the church uh, started growing, but here comes uh, somebody in saying, hey, listen, uh, you know, you're, you're doing great, but you need to add the law to it. And yeah. so he's always telling them, uh, hey, you know, the church is great, but we don't really care for the music style. Well, I think the, the whole church is um, great, but let me let me tell you how we used to do it at the other temple down the road. the The letter Paul sent to I think is it First Corinthians about marriage, where he explicitly identifies that marriage between one woman, one man. I think that uh, that's in First Corinthians, but the entire concept is there that they have this God that they are worshiping, and you're not to do that anymore. You're not to abide by. You're not to worship these gods anymore. You're not supposed to do these things that you used to do anymore. So the Bible isn't necessarily about what do you do. It's what you don't do. It's about both equally. That is so good. And I'm glad you said that instead of me, <laughs> because you said it beautifully. I believe that's equal parts working at the same time with mm-hmm. one another. That is the message of repentance, because the message of repentance is still believed, but it is not preached yeah. nor practiced. Yeah. To repent is twofold. You got to repent to Christ, but repent and turn away from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a huge hole in all denominations. And we're not even going to get, you know, uh, well, I guess we touched on baptism earlier. And all the doctrines can trade. Here's what's, here's what's, here's what's unbelievable is all the doctrines can trace back to the name of a man we'll just sit silently for a moment which one you want to start with the Methodist you mean Wesley the Catholic Constantine but uh, wait, wait, no, wait, wait a minute. The, the Pentecostals, you could trace, trace it back to the 50. If you want to just recent history, a lot of them were birthed in the fifties and you go back to some of the leading, the leading voices that, but I'm not against them. We're not against people, ladies and gentlemen, we're against systems. And then they were birthed and then they all couldn't agree. Even the Pentecostal yeah. people couldn't agree. They got 14,000 of them running around and they're arguing over all kind of different stuff. And every one of those arguments are not found in Scripture. But what's the root? The root is that a man created the, the worship. It's the worship, the worship of the creation. Mm-hmm. Now, let me be clear. And well, I bet you can go back and, and find the notes. Going? How long have we been going? Hour 26. We should probably get close to wrap it up. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've captured this, and whoever we hadn't made mad, we've set free. <laughs> But Just at least giving them a clear to thought that process. Thought, you could probably go back and find the diary, the notes of the people, the individuals that were creating these new denominations and find that they were salty about something, that they couldn't do something, or that something was not as they interpreted, and then they created that denomination. And what does that do? Well, it modifies the Bible, which means it's outside the will of God. It doesn't modify the words. It modifies the context of which it was exactly. given. Yeah. And whatever, what, whatever they're trying to prove mm-hmm. was not the war in Scripture. Yeah, It's not there. I don't know how many times I can say that. The wars that we're fighting amongst our religious spirits 
denominations, are not in Scripture. Those wars are not there. It's our God versus three gods. It's our God versus idolatry. It's our God versus paganism. It's our one God fighting a pantheon and polytheisms of a worship of the gods. That is all the Bible is addressing. Which, by the way, are not gods, literally. It does not fight the church down the road or a different doctrine. It cannot. Mm-hmm. And the reason it cannot is not it's because it was not written with that in mind. And I'm not serving none of it no more, ever. I'm, I'm ridding myself of the terminology. I'm slowly but surely ridding myself from the mentality behind it. And as you said, Brother Robert, that's not easy. It's not easy. To get rid of some of the words that I've heard my whole life. And the reason we're fighting about it and the reason we really can't explain it all. Oh, there's just some mystery in it. Well, yeah, it's going to be real hard to explain something that's literally not in Scripture. Yeah. As far as our idea of doctrine. Yeah. Well, what am I saying? I am saying that man in the scripture always had a desire to worship the created. It starts off with the golden calf down in the valley. And it pops up all through the Old Testament in secret and in public, the worship of idols. No graven image is something that man created. Man has always wanted to worship what they could create. And even even with inside denominations now, they create their own type of music, their own type of atmosphere, their own type of outreach, their own type of programs. They create it, they create it, they create it. And they create it in hopes that if they create enough, God will come down and bless them. And they remove, 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 remove repentance, remove accountability, remove doctrine. If that's we create important. enough. And all of a sudden, you're worshiping then they, no matter what their denomination does, they're sticking with it. Yep. Because this is who we are. This is my identity. Am I saying that all people are worshiping idols in their denomination? I don't think that would be fair. Not not in the literal but I don't, sense. I don't know that I can not the literal I sense. I don't know that I cannot say it. If that is how you identify yourself and that is your worth, and you just don't know where you'd be without them. I have seen people that have been kicked out or left the denomination I grew up in and they completely lose themselves and they don't know who they are and they can't even function in any other way, shape, or form because they're not a part of that group. So they worship the denomination over the God. What else can it be, Scott? I mean, what else am I supposed to say to that? And that could be the denomination's problem. It, today? Could, it could be the denomination's problem or the pers- a personal problem. But either way, how can something have that much of a hold on you that you lose yourself to bitterness because you fell out with something that was created out of thin air and called good? He says thin air intentionally because God would not have anointed 
all these different denominations that's add and subtract the word that he created that's forever settled in heaven. And all of them's got the truth. But ain't none of them got deliverance. The most important. Not on this, not on this subject. They don't. For sure. All of them's got the truth and everybody else is wrong. Mm-hmm. How can that be? Oh, I can. <laughs> that is the worship of the creation. You've transformed the image of Christ. Romans 1. Made it into images, animals of birds, of four-footed beasts. And the creature. And you worship the creature over the creator. And we see that as now people that prop up some type of idol. And that's the only, that's our only definition of idol worship now. Not understanding that anything that is created. And nobody's going to think this is applied, applies to them. We should probably just get ready to sign off. And it's sad. It's the same problem we have in church. And at, at, at every church, everybody says that applies to this person and not me, and et cetera, et cetera. Why, why is that such a contagion in church that everything applies to everybody else except for me? Well, That's folks, an interesting thought. It, it, it directly applied to me. And my deepest desire for everybody that listens is that you can hear what we're saying, research it for yourself. But if you can get on, on, on board with that, then ask yourself this question. Do I love Jesus? Have I been baptized in his name? And is there a difference, tangible difference who, in the way I live? Who do I serve? And if if you're unclear on that or, or the answer doesn't directly lead you to Jesus, then, mm. then do something about it. I don't want that anybody mm-hmm. should go to hell. As a, as a pastor... The most frustrating thing about the filter is that it exposed in me that I had weaponized the Bible. And I was using a weapon in a war that didn't exist in the Bible. Mm. And with the filter, I get to use the, as I did this morning, I got to use the Bible as a weapon in the actual war. Against the gods. Against the gods. And if I have ever used the Bible as a weapon to any of you out there listening, not only do I apologize, but I have repented. You will never catch me bowing down to another golden calf in my life. And that's pretty much all I got to say about this, man. I unknowingly bowed my knees to the created because that's what I was taught to do. And I am done with that. May the spirit of Josiah rise up in me. And not only do I want to walk in righteousness, but I want to stomp idols into powder. Not people. I want to see every, I'm going to go on record. I want to see every denomination fold. Amen. But I want the people to prosper. I want the people to walk in truth. Unity. 
I want un- true unity in the body. Not unity in your club or my club. Mm-mm, that's not unity. And they can't even do that, by the way. Yeah, They can't even get along with their own, the internal workings of their system, much less get along with another created system. I want to see it fall. Unity not, against the gods, unity against the yes. <clears throat> lifestyles of sin and the, the sinful to, nature of humanity. I want the people to prosper in every way. Unity for all of us to find glory. So if you're mad at me, you're only mad for one reason. And I, I'm, I'm going to be finished. Y'all can carry on. You cut my mic off after I say this. If y'all aren't going to continue, then I'll sign us off. But if you're mad at me, You need to really take a look around at what you've bowed down to. First of all, if you're mad at them, you made it this far. I'm proud of you. For real. (laughs) You got to make sure you don't have a golden calf in your life. That's there unawares as it was in the entirety of our lives until about five months ago. Gentlemen, I don't think I have anything else to say. We love y'all. Choose you this day. Uh, Choose you this day who you will serve. You will serve. God bless you. Uh, If the road got bumpy, take a few Advil and go to bed a little early tonight and you'll wake up in the morning and feel feel better. Uh, We can only bring you what we can bring you. And what we brought you is the truth. And if we're in error, email, message us. There's multiple ways to get in touch with us. Just if you bring scripture when you do. I love you. God bless. Go serve the name that is above every name. Jesus. Have a great night.